Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. One of the pastors that celebrates seniors. Celebrate Seniors is a, a ministry of Faith Dialogue here in Celebration, Florida. Today we're going to be looking at a parable in the Gospel of Luke that's often called a friend in need, sometimes called the friend comes at midnight. This parable is in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 11, beginning in verse 5. So the first thing we want to do, if it's starting in verse 5, we want to say, well, what happened in the first four verses? Uh, you know, for those of you that know me, have spent any time uh, with, with me in, in some of our teachings, you know one of my go-to lessons always is check the context. Uh, context is key. So we always want to know what the context of any verse, any scripture, any passage is. And one of the easiest way to check context is to look what precedes the passage as well as what immediately follows the passage. If we don't understand the context, we end up having to look at things out of context, which is not a good thing. You know, I'll tell you a story. My, my mother sold real estate back in the 1960s, late 1960s and early 1970s. And I remember very, very well, she was all excited because she listed her first $100,000 house. Now you have to understand at the time, that was, that was a mansion. I mean, $100,000, that was probably four to five times what the average value of not only our house, but most of the houses in the neighborhood were. So she was all excited. So my brother and I got in the car. She had a key to the place. And she took us to this, it was a very nice neighborhood and a, and a pretty nice house. And she had the key, so we went inside. And I can tell you that right from the very beginning, I was a, a little disappointed. I mean, this was a $100,000 house. And, and you know, it, it kind of looked like a lot of other houses. I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe the Taj Mahal, maybe the White House. I'm not sure exactly what I was expecting. The bedrooms were a little bigger. There was a couple more bathrooms, maybe an extra bedroom, but it was just a house. And I, I remember asking my mom and I said, why is this house so expensive? Why is it $100,000? And she said, there's three reasons. Location, location, location. And the reason I say that is because I want you to remember that when it comes to understanding the scripture, we want to understand context, context, and context. You know, as, as I was thinking back this, it's amazing, you know, today the average home in Florida is, I think the average is like $237,000. Amazing how, how far we've come. So, so again, this is a, a quick way to look at context is to look at, at the verses just preceding the passage as well as those verses that follow it, and we'll get a really good idea of, of what, the, what, the, what the passage is about, or at least what the, what the context is. So I've, I've kept you waiting long enough. The very first verses, verses 1 through 4 of Luke, I'll read it to you. You've probably heard it before. And Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us out into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's the Lord's Prayer. And that's right, that's exactly what the context is of this parable that we'll be reading. 
um, of the friend that comes at midnight. You know, we could talk for, for weeks on prayer, and I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm just going to talk about this one parable. But there's, there's many, many verses on prayer, and there's many great pastors, great teachers that have taught us on prayer. But today what I'm going to do, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to try to pick out a couple of key understandings from this particular verse. Just from this verse. I'm not going to teach you a lot about prayer, just, just a couple of key understandings. Now remember, the, the verses before were the Lord's Prayer. So I can tell you a little bit about the Lord's Prayer because it's such a, such a great prayer. Remember that the Lord's Prayer is what's called a, a pattern prayer. Meaning it's not something that we need to pray exactly like Jesus prayed. I know a lot of us do that. But it's a, a pattern prayer. Meaning Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. So we take a look at the pattern. And we see a, a couple of unique features in the Lord's Prayer. The first you ought to like, it's short. It's a short prayer. It isn't, it isn't real long. It doesn't have a lot of fancy words in it. It's a, it's a relatively short prayer. It gets right to the point. And it starts off with, with adoration to God the Father. We acknowledge who God is, that he's a, he's a good God, and that he's divine, that he's, he's hallowed, meaning that he's, that he's holy. He's, he's all completely different than, than us. The prayer also has some, some features in it that I like. One is that it's an acknowledgement of sin, a, a request to forgive our sins, and also to remember that often we, we sin against others too, and we want to pray for that. It tells us to not be led into temptation, but at the end it's wonderful. There's a benediction. It acknowledges who, who God is. It acknowledges the rightful place for God. So it's just a pattern prayer. So let me read to you just the, the parable. We'll also spend some time on the next verses that immediately follow the parable. Again, because we, we need to take a look at context, and you'll see that it actually builds on the parable. So here's the parable. In my Bible, it says, a friend comes at midnight. And he, Jesus, said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on this in his journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within and say do not trouble me the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed I cannot rise and give it to you I say to you though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as much as he needs so we're going to be looking at this parable through the context of, of prayer. You know, prayer is a, a very important part of our ministry. One of the things that, that we do every year is we, we join in with this celebration, uh, the first Thursday in May, called the National Day of Prayer. And, and it's a wonderful time, and I, I love it for a number of reasons. Number one, it's, it's the only time that the government of the United States actually asks us to pray. It's a great excuse to be able to say, well, let's make sure we're, we're doing it that day. The other thing is, is we get together with other churches, other pastors. It's, it's wonderful to be able to come together in prayer. Uh, but again, I, I want to get back to this parable. But, but I love prayer so much. One of, the, one, of the favorite, uh, one of my favorite people, one of my heroes is Abraham Lincoln. And Abraham Lincoln had, had a quote on prayer that I like. He says this, he says, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Have you ever felt like that? That there's nowhere else to go, so you go to God in prayer. Abraham Lincoln closes by saying, he says, my own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. 
And you see, that's exactly why we go to God in prayer. When we realize that we're unable in ourselves to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish, we can go to somebody that has the ability to be able to answer our prayer. You know, all too often, instead of realizing that our own wisdom, our own strength uh, is not sufficient, um, we go ahead and, and start our day not even thinking about the Lord, and we just plunge ahead. And, and all too often, we look at prayer as if it's some kind of uh, medical alert button running around our neck. You know, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up. That's not what prayer is about. God wants us to come to him, him first and often. You know, in this parable, we're introduced to, to two men. Two men, these are, these are neighbors in ancient Jerusalem. And in ancient Jerusalem, people lived relatively closely together. Um, their windows were typically open. They could get a cross breeze. They could easily talk from one house to the other. And this one man had hospitality that he needed to provide, and he didn't have any bread. So he asked his friend, his neighbor, for some bread. Now, now typically in these parables, Jesus um, tells us that they are to show us mysteries of the kingdom of God. And often I say, you know, look for the God figure. And that's exactly in this parable why sometimes we get tripped up. Because we take a look at it and we see what the response of this man is. And he says, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give it to you. Well, for people that don't even read the New Testament much, don't know much about Jesus, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And see, that can be a problem if we stop there. We take a look at this parable and say, I don't understand it because that certainly doesn't sound like a lesson that I can take. But that's why we read on. In verse 8 it says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as much as he needs. You know, so one of the clues, one of the insights into this word of prayer, or the world of prayer in the kingdom of God, is the idea of persistence. Obviously, the Lord is telling us that when it comes to prayer, he wants us to be persistent. So this will be our first key understanding of prayer. We are to pray with persistence. Uh, this parable in the Gospel of Luke, we said, immediately follows Jesus giving his disciples what we know as the Lord's Prayer. Likely, that's one of the very first prayers that you learned. I remember I learned it probably was five or six years old. Uh, Jesus tells this parable of a friend, I believe, because he needs to to knock down or to be able to contrast some of those things that we, we think about prayer. Because all too often, people feel that they, they shouldn't be persistent in prayer. They feel that somehow they're bothering God. They're, they're being a pest. You know, uh, my wife and I have always had dogs. And, and we've always loved our dogs. But I can tell you there were, were two dogs in particular I'm thinking about that were, were pests. They just were. Uh, in fact, in fact, we even use it in our English language. If somebody is pestering you, they're saying, you say, they're dogging me, right? They're dogging me. So this idea of, of being persistent isn't something that we tend to like sometimes. Now, we always loved our dogs, but I can tell you that these two dogs, it seemed like they weren't happy just to be in the same room with us. They wanted to be underfoot. Uh, if I was sitting down, they, they found a way to get their head underneath my arm or underneath my leg. They were, they were constantly with me. They were constantly being a, a pest. Now, here's the thing. The contrast is that God never tires of our persistence. 
we're not being oppressed by asking God. God wants us to come to him at all times. If he can deal with seven billion people in the world, he can deal with our persistence. A few chapters later in Luke, for example, in chapter 18, there's a parable about an unjust judge um, who basically uh, deals with, with two characters, uh, a widow and a judge. And the parable starts off with this. It says, now he, Jesus, was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. In order that we need to, to pray with persistence, to keep on, keep on knocking. Um, in this parable in, in chapter 18, we see a widow who typically wouldn't have any advocacy. She didn't have a husband, she didn't, unless she had an adult child, a male child that could be her advocate. She's pretty much alone in the world. And this widow comes to the judge, this, and it's called an unrighteous judge, an unjust judge. You know, again, this is one of those parables that can confuse people again because God is anything but unjust. But in some of the parables, God doesn't, doesn't give us a parable so that we can compare what's going on to the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's to contrast the kingdom of God to the way we actually behave. God is actually contrasting himself to this unjust judge. In our parable, in verse 13, it says, If you then, being evil, how, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give to the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. You see, our Heavenly Father is not uncaring. He, he loves us. He's the one that created us. He has a, a plan for our lives. He wants us to take our prayers and our requests directly to him. And, and if we do that, he'll, he'll answer our prayer. Now, here's the thing also. You know, the Bible says that God hears us. In fact, in one part of the Bible, it says before we even speak a word, he already knows what we're going to say. Well, that's interesting because if God already knows what we're going to say, then what's this idea of persistence? Why do we need to, to persist? Why do we need to go to God again? Well, one of the reasons is I believe God has, in our, in our idea, is that he wants us to be devoted to prayer. He wants us to, to communicate with him. He wants us to bring every request to him and to be persistent about it. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians said that we are to continue earnestly, continue earnestly in prayer. The word translated continue earnestly could actually, it's just one word in Greek, it could be translated a number of different ways, and it is. It sometimes it's to persist or to remain devoted to prayer. So in this way, we see that being persistent in prayer also assumes that we're continuing in prayer. Okay, now the parable is starting to make some sense. If being persistent means that we're going to continue in prayer, that we're always to be prayerful, now that makes a lot of sense in the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul is also the one who told us to pray without ceasing, <laughs> implying consistency, to, to always be ready to be able to bring everything to God in prayer. I, I like this verse that says that we're supposed to pray without ceasing because again it knocks down some some obstacles that people often have with prayer you know many people believe that the only place to prayer is maybe in a church or maybe a prayer closet or a special room that you have no no god wants us to to pray without ceasing which means actually that prayer is is an attitude there's an attitude of prayer meaning that we're constantly in communication with with our father with our heavenly father Here's also a comment from Paul's encouragement to pray without ceasing. 
again, let's take a look at the entire context. It's out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. and the context, Paul says this. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So prayer is just one component of what we're supposed to be doing always. We rejoice always. We pray always. We give thanks always. Now, it sounds like being grateful, understanding that everything good comes from God. That's a, that's a wonderful way to, to live, to be able to be dependent on God and at the same time thankful for our, our very existence. So let's go on now to verse 9. Remember I said that the parable is relatively short, but we want to pick up the verses immediately following the parable to see if they'll give us some more key understanding into prayer. It goes on, verse 9 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he be given a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, notice in the very first line of this, this verse I just read, it's, it's, there's, there's three action words there. Ask, seek, knock. They're all action words. They're all progressive as well, as the effort is being progressively more. Jesus used all three to emphasize and expound on his, this meaning. Jesus easily could have just said pray, but he used three words. He said, ask, seek, knock. Notice going back to the first key understanding, there's definitely an emphasis on persistence in these words, just as we said was the first key understanding. They all identify continuous and also a progressive action. A few translations of the Bible indicate this continuous action. For example, the New Living Standard, my wife's favorite, reads it this way. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. Along with this idea of a continuous action, as I've said also, ask, seek, and knock, there's a, there's a natural progression in the action. You could say that in many ways these verbs are ordered almost from the least aggressive to the most aggressive uh, or the most energetic. Jesus is telling us that we need to be persistent, which actually embraces the idea of being continuous, but what's been suggested here is an ever-increasing intensity in our prayer. So for the second key principle on prayer, for the lack of a better word, let's just call it being energetic. And we'll make that our, our second key understanding for this particular parable. So let's look at the three words, ask, seek, and knock as, as progressive, as I, I suggested. The first verb is ask. Let's say that's step one. It's really just a, a simple request. How easy it is just to, to ask. For example, uh, my wife and I might be watching TV. And she could say, Ken, change the channel. It's a simple request. And often I could respond by picking up the remote and changing the channel. But I'm a guy. So what am I doing? I'm probably not paying attention. She's got to have to be a little bit more persistent, a little bit more energetic to get me to pay attention. 
In step two, we seek. Seeking is more than asking. It's, it's an action plus the ask. So going back to my wife as an example, my wife knows that if I haven't responded yet to her for this simple request, she's going to now seek something, right? She's going to be seeking the remote. She's going to be seeking me. Maybe she'll nudge me a little bit. Maybe give me a little poke. Something to try to get my attention. She's, she's seeking, which is a more energy expended than just, just a simple act asking. Perhaps one of the ways she would seek is to pick up or search for herself the remote herself. In reality, we do this often in prayer, don't we? I mean, think about it. If you've been praying, if you're a praying Christian and you pray at all, it's one thing to ask. But then what you basically do is, what do we do? We pick up the Bible. We pick up the Bible and we start losing the concordance. We start flipping through it. We try to find some verse that gives us the justification for something that we need. Or maybe we're looking for some comfort to be able to deal with the situation while we're waiting for God to give us an answer, either yes or no. You know, often we take an active role in those things that are important. Think about it. We go out of our way. We spend time. You know, we don't mind making the phone call. Uh, we don't, in fact, we don't even mind waiting on hold if what we're trying to accomplish is actually important to us. Uh, if we need to make an appointment or schedule a trip or to purchase an item, we are way beyond the ask, aren't we? We're much more focused. We're more energetic, in some ways more aggressive in trying to get our request fulfilled. Then, of course, we go to the third word, okay? The third action word, knock, okay? This is step three. If you remember the movie Back to the Future, remember that movie? It was a while ago. There was a brood of a character named Biff Tannen, okay? And he delighted in knocking on Marty McFly's head. He'd go, knock, 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 hello, McFly, knock, knock, knock. It was his feeble attempt at humor at the expense of his friend. Knocking indicates there's an action, a very deliberate and aggressive action taking place. It's one thing to send an email to someone, another thing to mail them a letter, but to get in the car, to drive to their house and knock on their door, that's an animal of a completely different color. Uh, if the person is at home and you really want to get their attention, you'll continue knocking on the door until we get some satisfaction. So we've looked at this parallel and identified two keys of understanding prayer. The first is that we, uh, the Lord wants us to be persistent. And the second is what we said with the ask, seek, knock, is that we need to be energetic. Uh, we need to expend some energy in our in our prayer life. Now, there's a third key, and that is what we can that we can that we can pray with confidence. And that's the last part of this scripture verse. If we look at verses 11 through 13, I want to and again I want you to notice the contrast, not a comparison, but a contrast. Just as God was contrasted with the man who didn't want to get up and share his bread, here's another contrast. I want you to listen for them. They're not comparisons, so let me read it to you again. If a son asks for bread and from any father among you, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You know, these verses have some interesting contrasts. Instead of bread, it's a stone. Instead of a fish, it's a serpent. Instead of an egg, it's a, a scorpion of all things. 
uh, in the companion verse in Matthew, part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, what man is among you? If his son asks for a bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you, if you then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things? Get that? How much more will your father give good things to those who ask of him? The Bible says clearly that God answers all of our prayers. And God gives us good gifts. A few weeks ago, I was with a group of men from church in a Bible study, and one of the guys mentioned how fortunate, how fortunate it was for him that God didn't answer his prayer. But God didn't give to him, actually, God didn't give to him what he was asking for. When he was younger, he had met who, someone who he thought was the perfect woman, the, the very perfect person for him to, to be able to marry, to be with, and, and it didn't work out. And he prayed passionately, uh, persistently, and energetically to be able that God would open the door so that he could marry this young woman. Years later, years later, after being married to a wonderful woman, a woman who's been as faith, been faithful, a wonderful mother, a friend, a wife who's now fully involved with him in everything that he does, including his ministry, he realizes how much more the father was willing to give him something good that he really didn't ask for. You know, it was a small group, only a few men, but all of us had, had similar stories to tell. We were so thankful that God didn't give us specifically what we asked for, but instead he gave us something good. God provides exactly what we need, not exactly what we've asked for. Most of us as parents, as mothers and fathers, know what it's like to have a child who sometimes will ask for something that they think they really, really want but as a loving parent, we know that that's exactly what they shouldn't get. It would be absolutely the wrong thing sometimes to give them what they're asking for. But as being good parents, we don't give them what is bad for them. We instead give them something that's, that's good. Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who who ask him. You know, my friends, today I, I'm so glad we're, we're talking about prayer. If you've been paying any attention over the last few months, it may seem like our, our, the very fabric of our society is crumbling. If it isn't crumbling, it's particularly different today than it was just six months ago. Uh, there's a pandemic, we are told, that has impacted nearly every country on the globe, and that pandemic actually is dividing this country today. It had the opportunity to bring us together uh, because we all were faced with this, this same pandemic, but it didn't bring us together, it, it divided us. So what should be our response? What should be our response when we're faced with this, this outside stimuli that seem to be destroying the things that we love so much? What's our, what's our answer? What do we do in times of unprecedented chaos? It's simple. The answer is always the same. Turn to God in prayer. It's always the same answer. It's, it's always exactly the same thing we, we need to do. We pray persistently. We pray energetically. We ask. We seek. We knock. But we always know that God hears us. And he's going to give us exactly what we need, regardless of what we pray for. 
God will respond in kind and God will give us exactly what we need. When we knock on heaven's doors and we pray with confidence that God hears us, God will provide exactly what we need, not necessarily what we've asked for. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you today as always, Lord, that every time we come to you in prayer, you're always there. You always hear us. You always give us exactly what we need. So we thank you, Lord, for that. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.